Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to College First Gen, our podcast where we get together over some coffee and have some real conversations about what it's like to be a first-gen college student and what that means before, during, and after college. If you're a new listener, our goal here is to democratize some knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit about the first-gen experience, and hopefully help others going through some of the same challenges we experienced before sharing lessons learned from fellow first-gen. I'm Dan, and I'm one of our new co-hosts. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Pennsylvania, And today, I'll be taking some time to talk with three guests about their experiences having taken time off or currently taking time off from college during COVID. In my personal experience, taking time off is not a very well-talked-about topic. You know, I feel like sometimes students who take time off are forgotten. And I really want to use this episode to highlight those stories and share some lessons learned from our three speakers today. We have Elijah who went to Penn with me, but then transferred to Columbia. We have my other friend, Brandy, who I've known for all four years of my college experience. And, you know, she'll share her story about taking time on and off throughout college. And then we'll hear from Austin, who is a friend of a friend, who is sharing about his journey post-grad, applying to grad school and taking time off during the pandemic. With that being said, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. So here we have Elijah Fullerton. He's one of my good friends from my time at Penn, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast. We're going to hear a little bit more about his story and his experience. Elijah, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Dan. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. So just a brief backstory about myself. I'm from a small town on the south coast of Massachusetts named Somerset, and I am also first-gen low-income. And so, as you mentioned, uh, we met during my time at Penn, which is where I started my undergrad degree after high school. I applied to, I was fortunate enough to be admitted to the Wharton School, and so I spent my freshman year studying at Penn. And then at the start of my sophomore year, I decided to take a gap year, which later led me to applying to and being admitted to a transfer to Columbia. And that's where I am now. I'm studying economics and mathematics. Thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself, Eli. You know, I'm really excited to have you on and for everyone to like learn more about your experience, especially with taking a gap year. That's not something that is really talked about or highlighted in the first gen experience. So I'm so super excited to have you here. Just like a quick question about like how things are going right now. Like, you know, how how are things going with the pandemic? Like, how has the pandemic impacted your life? Like, your classes, your friends, family? Personally, I feel as though I have actually been in a really fortunate circumstance because at the start of March, when, when COVID first became a major issue, I was still on my gap year. And so as a consequence of that, I wasn't rushing to evacuate campus or adjust to coursework online in the middle of a semester. And so that was a really fortunate circumstance for me. And then as sort of COVID progressed, my friends decided that when the fall returns, they were going to return to Philadelphia, my friends also being Penn students. And since I was starting at Columbia, but it was virtual, we were able to still create our own sort of apartment. And now I'm living with friends, Penn friends in Philadelphia while taking classes at Columbia. So overall, it's actually been a pretty, I wouldn't say positive, of course, but I think I've had I've been very fortunate in my experience. 
No, that's so neat. Yeah, it's a tough time, but also feeling fortunate to be with friends and to have some sense of like community during this time when everyone's so distant. So, you know, you mentioned you took time off. You know, the first question I have about that is you, what influenced your decision to take time off? Like you, you mentioned you were at Wharton and then you were transitioning. So, yeah, like how did you come to that decision way back then? So I think important to my decision to take time off was really like the reason I I went to business school at first, uh, went to Wharton specifically, which was that as sort of a first-gen low-income student in high school, I was very motivated by this fear, I'd say, of, of continuing to be in sort of the circumstances I was around. I didn't feel as though I could relate to a lot of members of my community, and I felt as though sort of the financial insecurity was something I was very afraid of. And so in response to that that motivating factor, that fear, I applied to business school thinking that was sort of my surefire way to, to escape the poverty trap, I suppose. But once I actually got to Penn, I started to realize that the actual core business curriculum at Wharton, sort of the finance, the accounting, operations, etc. It wasn't something I was really passionate about. It wasn't something that I was excited to learn more about. And I think as a consequence of that, my motivation started to drop. And I was fortunate enough to do well my, my freshman year. But over the summer, for these reasons and also for reasons also pertaining to sort of that, that fear, my mental health started to deteriorate. And at the start of the fall, I the combination of the factors of my mental health not being where it should be and not feeling motivated for my classes made me feel as though I wasn't doing well. And doing well in my coursework has always been something that I find very important to me. I value a lot. And so realizing that that things weren't working out and that things weren't right, and I didn't really have an understanding of why I was studying what I was studying and what I was hoping to do with it, I ended up deciding to take a gap year to sort of reevaluate those those personal and professional goals. That's really interesting. You know, I think... Um... What you felt is very like common among other first-gen students or even students in general who come from different backgrounds, like feeling like you don't belong or feeling worried about like, how do I make the most of college? I think it's like a very real fear. And, you know, I think it was really like, I would say like mature, like wise of you to just like sit back and listen to yourself to realize like, hey, I'm not sure this is what I want to do. I need to like make a change. Do you feel like you had like any uh, barriers to overcome like you know when you decided to do this like did you reach out to like your parents to your friends like mentors like how were they involved in this process and like if so like what was their response i think that in all honesty when i decided to take my gap year it was really a, a terrifying experience because i think that sort of coming into college all that you know, I think, as a student is is studying. And it's really, at least for me, integral to my identity as sort of a student. And when you, you take a gap year, it can feel as though you're bringing this into question. And it can be really intimidating because it part of taking a gap year is recognizing and admitting that you don't know exactly what you want to be doing right, right now. And so that's something that I was really contending with. 
And in terms of my support network, I actually came to the decision of taking this gap year with the help of my friends, the people who I had formed close connections with at Penn, who I'm actually living with now, who were really supported, supportive of me and helped me recognize that this was the best thing for me in terms of being able to go and succeed in the things I wanted to succeed in in the future. And then when I told my my parents about it, my grandparents about it, they their reaction was mixed, I'd say. I think that they were supportive in the sense that they welcomed me home, but they weren't supportive in the sense that they trusted me or that they were confident in my ability to come back stronger from this. I, I honestly think at the time, they they viewed this as sort of a, a sign of weakness or a sign of failure, or at least that's the impression I got. And it was really a toxic environment when I first sort of returned to Massachusetts at the start of my gap year. That's, yeah, that's definitely a real experience that I, I think a lot of people can relate to. So I guess like just a quick follow-up question about that. Like, like I know we talked about going in and like not being... Like not you started off and but you didn't like commit to your initial plan of like going to Wharton. You know, would you say that and this is like more of an open question, like what do you think are the barriers for students to like graduate in four years? Like do you would you say the experience you had is ind- indicative of something larger uh, about being first gen and or low income? I definitely think it is. I think that the biggest influencing factor which would cause people to take a gap year is uncertainty uncertainty about what they're doing now, uncertainty about what they want to do in the future. And I think that uncertainty is really helpful in a way. I think that in some, my gap year experience has been incredibly beneficial and formative. But I think that a lot of first-gen and low-income students, they don't come from a background that equips them with sort of the knowledge and the insights to know exactly what they're doing and to have sort of a plan. And also to have the confidence that if their plan, whatever they do have, doesn't go the way they wanted, they have a support network to fall back on. These are all things that first-gen low-income students are often not able to rely on. And so I think that you can come up with multiple examples. For first-gen low-income students, I think that the first big hurdle is really just understanding what the college application process is. And that's an enormous hurdle in and of itself because it's really not a self-explanatory system and it takes a lot of self-motivation and research if you don't come from a family or an environment that has that sort of institutional memory. And so once you get into college, I think a lot of first-gen low-income students have this euphoric feeling that they made it. And I think that's good. I think that they should be proud of themselves and, and everything they've accomplished. But the the lack of understanding does not end there. And I think there are multiple examples of, of how this could be played out. One that comes to mind is, is medical school. For students from first-gen low-income backgrounds that are interested in becoming a medical doctor, there are so many nuances to the undergraduate experience which are not written anywhere. They're sort of taken for granted by a lot of people, such as when you take organic chemistry and how to best maximize your course load and study for exams and study for the MCAT and all of these these nuanced sort of secrets 
you could say, that because you come from a first-gen low-income background, you're not certain about, and you need to sort of learn on the spot. And I think that these compiling factors of uncertainty, and I gave the example of a pre-med student, but I think that there are examples for no matter what you're studying, they can compile into a feeling of uneasiness. And at worst, they can actually lead to a lot of difficulty and strife during your undergraduate experience. And I think those reasons tend to lead students to take gap years. But I think that it's important to recognize that a gap year isn't a sign that you failed in any way. And it isn't a sign of your ignorance in terms of how you go about this process. I think it's an opportunity to take time to learn about these things that you're interested in, but you don't know exactly how to pursue. And that's how I sort of pursued my gap year. And I think that that tackling of ignorance and that learning about things that I want to pursue and how to pursue them was really helpful. That's a that's a really good segue into like our next question actually. But oh, I really appreciate like what you shared about like why you think like first gen students might be like more disposed to like take gap years. So it's like a it's a pretty big thing. But yeah, just to move on to the next question, how did you spend your time off from college? You you mentioned that you spent this time to reflect more and to learn more about what your interests are. Can you just elaborate on that? So at the start of my gap year in October. I went back to Massachusetts and I started living at home. And for the first few weeks, I really just took time to sleep. Sleep deprivation was something I really struggled with my freshman year and the start of my sophomore year. And I was sleeping like 12 hours a day. That in in conjunction with my poor mental health, it was really a, a healing process at the start. But after a couple weeks of just taking time for myself, I started to slowly branch out into things that interested me. And to give you an example, one area that I pursued was really just a, a personal interest that I didn't have a strong perspective on what I wanted to, it to lead to, but I thought it would be helpful, which was that I started writing. I started writing about my experience in Poland as a Onyx Habat ambassador, which is a group that studies the Warsaw Ghetto uh, during the Holocaust. I was fortunate enough to go through this program uh, last spring, but I never had the time to really reflect. And I used the gap year as an opportunity to really take the time to think critically about what I had learned and what I had experienced. And the culmination of what just started as fanciful uh, free writing turned into a really long project that I pursued across my gap year, which is now possibly a thesis that I'm, I'm working on. And as of now, it's around 70 pages. And I give this example because I think it's representative of what I view an important part of the gap year experience being which is the opportunity to just pursue things that interest you casually at first and then investigating whether or not you want to commit more time and, and be more serious about it. And this pattern really was helpful for me in terms of branching out into all of these other areas, which I 
was pursuing. It it started with just an interest, an idea. And then over time, I started investing more in it and the, the many other areas which I pursued during my gap year, such as my internship with the Think Tanks and Civil Societies program, and eventually my decision to move back to Philadelphia and live on my own. These all started with just ideas. And then the last comment I'll have about taking time off and the actual day-to-day experience of my gap year was that I think that when you're in college, there's a real feeling that your schedule runs you, right? You have your syllabus, it's neatly organized, you have back-to-back classes, back-to-back exams, back-to-back deadlines. It's really easy to to slip into this feeling of just playing catch-up with your classes. When you're on a gap year, you essentially have the opposite problem. You have infinite time and no one to direct you with how to use it. And so I think this is really an opportunity to reorganize yourself and really take time to think about what is it that I want to do this week, this month, this day, and actually plan out on your own volition, not someone else's, how you're going to live your life. And so that time management has been such a very important part of my life ever since. I'm very conscious and very intentional about how I spend my time, and I don't think I ever could have developed those skills and that perspective if I wasn't thrown into the experience of a gap year where I have infinite time and no direction with what to do with it. That's really amazing. Just like hearing you grow, like, you know, I've known you since you were a first year student and just like all the things like that we hope you learn on the way. Like, you know, I really think like it's amazing that you, you know, were able to like learn more time management and like learn your interests more deeply. And yeah, definitely like, you know, being at college can feel like you're running on a hamster wheel uh, and then it stops at the end of the semester and then it starts again. Yeah, that's definitely uh real you know just a quick follow-up question i know you mentioned time management but do you feel like you learned anything else from your gap year i think that something that i really learned which was so incredibly important and i think probably the most important thing i learned during my gap year was to have confidence and to trust myself. At the start of my sort of background, I mentioned how in high school and at the start of my undergrad, it felt as though my primary motivation was fear. Fear of not being trapped financially, fear of not being in poverty. I think that was really detrimental. And over the course of my gap year, I started to recognize the importance of loving myself trusting myself, and being confident that I can be a positive influence in enacting change in my life. I think so often it feels as though the things that happen to us are out of our control, and many times they are. But I think that when you trust yourself and you really take an analytical eye about what is going well in your life, what is going poorly, how do you want to change things? How do you want to be better? These all sound very straightforward and very self-explanatory, but it takes real confidence, real motivation, real self-love and trust to say first that even these things, which I feel as though I could have done better, that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes, and I'm not going to lambast myself, and I'm not going to punish myself for things that I could have done differently in the past. Instead, I'm going to look forward and say, how can I rectify this situation, or how can I become better? And just keeping in mind this sort of perspective, and not allowing yourself to go into modes of negative self-talk, and always staying positive, and having, (laughs) having what 
my warden professors would call a growth mindset focused on improving and not just criticizing. It all sounds very general and a bit cliched, but I genuinely think that it's something that takes a lot of effort, a lot of conscious decisions. And I think it's something that I learned during my gap year, which was incredibly important to me and my success thereafter. That's really beautiful. I think, yeah, self-love is so important. And just being able to say like, yeah, I messed up, it's okay. Or no, I didn't like get this done in the same way I wanted to. But you know, you live and you learn. And then I think we, we talked about this a bit, like, you know, switching from being in Wharton to now being a math and econ major, you know, like how did taking a gap year affect your plans and like shift your perspective of like what your future will look like? Yeah, so as I said, sort of the motivating factor of taking the gap year in the first place was feeling as though I was not engaged and not excited about my coursework at Wharton, which was accounting, finance, etc. That this very pre-professional technical business curriculum. Over the time of my gap year, I pursued my interests such that I was more confident. And this also ties into what I was saying about being confident and trusting yourself, that I could study something I was more passionate about and still find myself in a successful career, still find myself in a position where I don't need to worry about my finances. I trusted myself that I didn't need to limit myself and punish myself with studying things that I wasn't passionate about. And so instead, I started studying things that I did like. And it wasn't actually a clean transition where I was in Wharton and I took my gap year and I said, okay, I'm going to apply to Columbia and I'm going to be an econ and math major and it will be great. I actually took a lot of time reevaluating my interests and I played around with a lot of different ideas about what I wanted to study. Over the course of my gap year, I probably changed my mind a, a million times, switching from philosophy to history to economics to international relations. I didn't even know that I wanted to transfer to Columbia until February, and that's four months after the start of my gap year. This entire process was n- in no way a clean transition. It took a lot of effort and a lot of reconsideration. And actually, on the topic of my decision to transfer to Columbia, the the core reason, which is, is a bit of a play on words, the core reason that I transferred is because of Columbia's core curriculum, which is allowing me now to study Chinese. It's allowing me to study literature, philosophy, mathematics, and economics. These five areas are all things that I have a genuine interest in and enjoy learning. And at Penn and at Wharton, I felt as though I couldn't study what I was interested in because I had to focus on just getting a high-paying career that will prevent me from slipping back into the situations that I came from. But being more confident in myself, I now see that it's not either or. You can study what you want to study and also feel secure in where you are now and where you're going in the future. And I think that is sort of the process that led me to transferring to Columbia and studying what I'm studying now.
That's really awesome. And yeah, I would say the same thing that other people like, you know, for me, for example, like I also went through a similar situation of like taking classes that I thought I was supposed to take and then realizing like, no, this isn't working. And then I ultimately decided to major in my major, which is health and societies. And I think I came to a very similar conclusion of like, this is what I enjoy. And I can't worry about, you know, if it's going to get me a job or not. But, you know, we'll just see how it goes. And we'll get there when we get there, you know. You actually touch on a really important point, I think, which is something, and I I should preface that as a part of my gap year, I also spent a lot of time talking with people. When I returned to Philadelphia, I probably bombarded professors' office hours every day, just hearing their thoughts, sharing my story, and hearing their perspective. Because these are brilliant people whose perspective I really value. And the conversations that I had were integral in helping me to pursue the things that I was pursuing and recognize both my value and my capacity to study different topics. That aside, one conversation I had with a professor at Wharton, a a professor of legal studies, I should preface, is that she told me it doesn't make sense to live your life for your future self. Because if you look back 10 years at what you wanted as a child, or even if she, she said, looked back 10 years at what she wanted as an adult, who she was then was very different from who she was now. And what she wanted then was very different from what she wanted now. And so this is to say that if you spend all your time thinking about benefiting your future and not enjoying the moment, then the sum of your experiences are not going to be as positive as if you pursued things that made you happy now, while also, of course, keeping in mind the future and keeping in mind what directions will lead you to being happy, but not obsessing over it so much that you sacrifice your current self for what you think would be your future self, when in reality, it's likely that you have no idea who you're going to be in five years, and you have no idea what you're going to want to do. So the best we can do is pursue fulfilling experiences in the moment that will lead us to progress and that will lead us to fulfillment and success in the areas that we're interested in, but still enjoy the present. I really love how you worded that. And, you know, on this topic of like, you know, being in the present versus like being in the future, a related question I wanted to ask is also about like the past. Like, you know, during your gap year, was there anything that you wish you would have done differently uh, to like make your experience even more enriching? Or do you just want to take it as is? So I think that this is a really interesting question. And whenever I, I get a question like this, which is, would I would I be willing to, or would I want to do anything differently? I think my answer is always, or often, no. And that's because where I am now, and this ties back into focusing on the present, I'm very happy, and I feel very fulfilled in what I'm pursuing, and I feel very confident about my future. And so I wouldn't want to jeopardize all the success that I'm experiencing now, but hoping that it could be better if I change something. Because I think that 
the sum of our experiences are very important. And even my negative experiences, even the struggles I faced during the start of my gap year and before it, I think allowed me to keep in perspective how fortunate I've been thus far. And I think I have a much deeper appreciation for where I am because of the struggles I went through. Whereas if from the start, I had a a phenomenal time and I was still in Wharton, I would have missed out on perhaps something really important. And then just to add on that, I think that as a transfer, it's really interesting to think about what would have happened if things had gone differently. What would have happened if instead of not enjoying my Wharton classes and also starting to do poorly in them, I didn't enjoy them but did well? Or just average? What if I didn't have that incentive to leave and to take time and reconsider what I wanted to study? I think that I would be in a place where I'd be doing okay, but I wouldn't be doing all these things that I love and having these great experiences. And also meeting these new amazing people, which I think is so important. And so I think that while I had a great deal and I, I really should emphasize this, a great deal of strife and personal turmoil before and at the start of my gap year. I think because of those lows, those troughs, I now appreciate my peaks and my joy and my experience a lot more. And I think that without my challenges, I wouldn't be able to say I've succeeded. Yeah, uh, I really, I really like what you say said about feeling more at peace and just like you never know, like if things had been different, would you still be here in this way? And yeah, that's just that's really deep. I think that you actually remind me of another very important lesson I learned during my gap year, which I think was a byproduct of all this sort of self-motivated studying. And it was that in college, your classes can somewhat feel like a game or or a series of tasks. And it can feel as though you're just pursuing this piece of paper, this degree, and what matters is the grade. But when you start taking classes on your own time, when you start pursuing knowledge and learning for your own benefit and for your and with your own motivation, it becomes very clear that what really matters isn't whether or not you got an A or an A minus on an exam. What matters is did you actually learn from the class? Are you leaving this class knowing something new? And I think it's very valuable for a couple reasons. First, grades still are important, but if you're only taking classes to get good grades, it can feel very shallow and very demoralizing. Whereas if you're genuinely excited about learning, it becomes not so stressful and not so much of a competition to get the best grade but rather a personal goal to learn as much as you can. And a helpful byproduct of that is doing well in the course. And I think that it's even more important because in a lot of fields, for example, mathematics, doing well in the course does not necessarily mean you learned about mathematics. You can memorize patterns and be a good test taker, but if you don't truly understand conceptually the topics that you're covering, what you'll soon realize is when you go out into your real world, you have your internship or you graduate, what matters isn't whether or not you got an A in the class. What matters is whether you 
learned in that class such that you can apply those skills and that knowledge to the things that really matter, things that you're working on and actually contributing value to. And I think that through the experience of of self-motivation and self-learning during my gap year, this became really apparent to me and has really motivated my pursuit of learning once I've returned to college. That's so true and so important. Like, it's a lot harder to enjoy a class or to to do well in a class if you're not, like, interested or invested in it. And, yeah, sometimes you have to take classes as a requirement and can't really get around them. But if all of your classes make you feel that way, then maybe it's worth checking in and reevaluating what you're doing. So just just to move on, just to be respectful of your time, one question I wanted to ask, and I think you've, you've shared a lot of really great stories and lessons, but, you know, if you were to talk to someone who was considering taking time off or who's currently taking time off, like what would be like the one thing you would share with them to give them some advice? I'm really glad you asked me this question because I've actually been in this situation. During part of part of my gap year experience was my internship where after the first cycle I became uh, someone in a a leadership role. And then in that leadership role, I met someone who was also transferring to Columbia the same year as me. But she, because of COVID, was planning or thinking about taking a gap year. But she wasn't really sure, and she was really rather nervous about it. Reasonably so, I, I definitely could relate to her. But what I told her was that a gap year can be a great experience if you are intentional. And this is the core advice I'd give to anyone taking a gap year. And really just in general, if you're intentional with your time and you really think about carefully, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Is this generating value in your life? Is this the time that you want to be spending? Could you be spending your time doing something else that'll make you happier or more fulfilled? I think that this mentality can be so incredibly empowering and is so incredibly important for a gap year, which, as I said, is really an opportunity to pursue whatever, anything. And so specifically, if you're taking a gap year, you should be intentional about what you want to get out of this. And you should pursue projects and goals that you think will make you a better person and equip you to do things that you want to do in the future. And so in the example of this other transfer who was thinking about taking a gap year, I sat down with her and I had a conversation. And the first thing I asked was, what do you like to do? What's something that you really enjoy doing that you can spend so much time on? And she said, playing violin. And I said, why don't you play more violin? And she she was shocked, actually. She didn't realize that she should be doing this thing that really makes her happy because she was so caught up in this pre-professional mentality of chasing accolades and doing things that will make her appear better or make her more palatable as an applicant for whatever she wanted to apply to in the future, that she had lost focus on something that made her really happy and that was actually really important to her. And now during her gap year, she is pursuing that. And I think this ties really well into a mentality that I think is so important in addition to being intentional or perhaps in conjunction with being intentional, which is that when I was talking to my friend, she said that she was trying to maximize her productivity 
And I said, productivity is important, but what you should maximize before productivity is the value of your life. Maximizing your life is so much more than maximizing the amount of time you spend working or the amount of money you make. It's about maximizing the experiences that you have such that in 10, 15, 60 years, you look back and you say, I'm happy. I'm happy that I did all this. And really keeping this in mind and not narrowing in on things that you think you should be focusing on, but keeping in mind living your life to maximize its value in whatever form that takes, whether that be music, romance, the pursuit of athletics, or even work and education. I think it's really important and it's different for everyone, but it's universally true that we all need lots of different things. And if we don't focus on that, and if we don't think about all the things that we need and want, and instead just focus on what we're told or in, or what society implies that we should be focused on, we can end up really unsatisfied. And I think a gap year is a great opportunity not only to pursue things that you enjoy, but to get into the habit, form the mentality of keeping perspective and keeping this intentionality that allows you to not only succeed in the pre-professional goals you may have, but also succeed in, le- in leading a fulfilling life. That is, that's such a great way to kind of like wrap up and like just think about this whole experience. You know, perspective is really important. Like we can look at a gap year and think, I'm a failure. Like, why am I doing this? But, you know, it's really an opportunity for you to like grow as an individual and for you to come out on the other side as like a more satisfied and hopefully fulfilled person before going back to school or making any other decisions you might make. The one last thing I wanted to ask you is like, is there anything else you would like to share that like we didn't capture from my questions? Or if you just wanted to add on to something else you had said prior? I think that the last point I have is the importance of forming support networks. I didn't get to where I am and I didn't have a fulfilling gap year experience on my own. It took lots and lots and lots of conversations with people who were strangers to me at first. It took lots of hearing other people's perspectives and getting insight into what they think would be a good thing for me to pursue and then following that thing that they said I should look into. We can't do this alone. And it's so important to reach out to people who you think can offer you their wisdom and to be willing to expose yourself and be vulnerable and to recognize, I don't know what I'm doing, but that's okay. And the reason that I'm here is to learn more. And I'm not scared of learning more and I'm not scared of admitting that I don't know. In fact, I'm confident that I don't know and that's why I'm learning. And so forming that support network, meeting people who might be able to share their thoughts with you, being open to the possibility of being rejected. Some people don't have time, and sometimes you're going to get emails saying that they don't have time, or even more often, you'll get no response at all. But not being discouraged and continuing to seek out people and opportunities to explore your interests and to get a better understanding of who you are, what you want to pursue, how you can pursue it, I think is so incredibly important. Well, thank you so much for your time with me today, Eli. Well, 
hi, Brandy. It's nice to have you here on our on How to College First Gen. I'm really excited to hear about your story today and to share with our audience. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Dan. Yeah. I am so excited to be talking to you. Um, My name is Brandy Pineda. I identify as Latinx, first gen as an American citizen, first gen to go to college, and low income, in addition to like other identities. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, but my family immigrated from El Salvador in the 80s. And I went to public school and then a private charter school. And then I I did early decision and got into the University of Pennsylvania. And I have to say the primary reason I went to this Ivy League school was because of the financial aid. That's really, yeah, that's totally relatable. I honestly feel the same way. And I think financial decisions are like a really big part of like going to college, at least for like my opinion, like first gen students. So, you know, we talked about this briefly, but the reason why I have you here on our podcast is to talk about your experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic. So could you just, when we... When I invited you for this call, you had mentioned that you're, you know, taking time off this year, like you're not currently in classes. And you mentioned like there were a couple of factors, but one of them was the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit more about like your decision to not take classes this year and how the pandemic played a role in that? Right. So the reasons why I took a leave of absence, I've taken, well, for me, university life, college life, academics, identity, all of that, I struggled with um, when I went to university. And because of that, I've taken leave of absences before and through those experience I have now come to terms and created a good relationship with the idea of leave of absences so taking a leave of absence was a doable option for me because I had done it before primarily the reasons why I was considering a leave of absence is because I had some family situations come up and the semester was incredibly difficult for me academically but also emotionally and then I had a couple of summer plans, like employment plans that fell through because of the pandemic. So because of that, and then it was unsure what the situation, like it was uncertain what the situation would be in the fall as far as like what the university was going to do. And I only have two semesters left. I thought it would have been difficult to put myself through an online semester or a hybrid semester especially when it was supposed to be my last year. So I wouldn't even be able to fully reap the benefits of what it's like to go to an early, to, to the institution where, you know, you build community, you have friends, you go to courses, you have events and things like that. So I wouldn't really be able to experience all the things. So I thought that taking a leave of absence would be in my best interest. Honestly, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you've been working so hard and you, I think a big thing that a lot of students are feeling is not wanting to cheat themselves out of like what they paid for or not even what they paid for, but what they were expecting, you know, um, it really makes you think about like, what is college? Yeah. You know, when you made this decision, did you include like your friends, family or mentors? Like, what did they think about this? Like, were they involved in your decision process? Right. So as I said, the academic semester was very challenging for me in the spring towards the end. So it was brought to my attention that maybe I should consider this as an option. And then I talked to... So since, as I previously mentioned, college was hard for me. I struggled. And at some point, I needed help. And 
therapy was there. And I was like, I'm not doing this. This is not for people like me. And then eventually I came around. And now I think that therapy is needed by everyone always. <laughs> because no one's life is perfect and everyone has trauma. So <laughs> I definitely think that... So speaking with my therapist really helped me out. I would also like to attribute my ease with making this decision to the fact that I've taken leave of absences before. Like if I, if this was my very first leave of absence, I think I would have made a much, or, or rather I would have taken more things into consideration. It would have been a much more difficult decision. That's fair. That's fair to say. That's really interesting. Like you, and it's different because it's not like you're being lazy. It's that like you've learned how to like be intentional and like know how you work best or like what kind of environment you need. So it wasn't as much of a, I'm not trying to project or say anything, but it sounds like you knew this would be like the best decision for you based on like prior experience. If there's a handful of messages that I would like the audience to take away from my experience is one, therapy is for everyone always. And two, laziness does not exist because those are two lessons that I have learned the hard way through my various leave of absences, through my struggles in college, through my struggles with mental health. Like these are two facts that I definitely 100% subscribe to. And I think others should too, because once you believe in those two ideas, I think compassion for yourself becomes a little bit easier. And I think once you allow for self-compassion, as a strength and as something that is needed i think making the best decisions for yourself gets a little easier that's really beautiful to hear that not actually kind of coincides with like what another one of our guests said elijah you know one of his takeaways was that people really need to learn how to love themselves and let themselves grow and like explore new things um so i definitely think that connects with like this idea that you know we all have our things that we need to work through and like no you're not lazy it could be informative of like something else like maybe why you're not engaged with something or why you're having a hard time it's not like a you problem it could be like a thing no absolutely i think the reason i say laziness doesn't exist it's because it's usually attributed as as an excuse or as a judgment to others or as to a reason why someone isn't producing i mean i think in our society we have a lot of or at least maybe not society maybe society i don't know but at least in my university setting, like high production is an expectation. Like you need to be producing in your classes. You need to be producing at your part-time job. You need to be producing at your student groups, at your extracurriculars, at at panels, at networking events, like you need to be producing and what and like results or good impressions or connections or good grades or student outreach or retention or what whatever it is. Like you need to be on top of it always, whether it's the simplest things or it's the most complicated things. And I think that when people aren't doing that, it's like, oh, you're so lazy. You're not working hard enough. But it's like, no, clearly there's a reason for everything. Like laziness does not exist. If that if something is not interesting, if something is not engaging you, if you don't have the energy or the time to do x y or z there is a reason if not more than one definitely i 100 percent agree with that so how are you feeling about like how have you been spending your time well i like to think that as long as you're intentional there is you're not wasting your time i don't know if that's a takeaway that people can do but it's what helps me get through the day <laughs> um so with that i would say initially so as i said the semester was hard for me and i decided to take a leave right before the wave of people taking a leave took off and so then people just decided that i was like in that group and i was like you know what sure if that's what makes it easier for you to accept this sure but 
for me, I think that the so the first three months after the semester ended, I basically took that time to myself because I had savings that I could, you know, rely on for those couple weeks or so those two months, I guess. And so I took that time to, you know, catch up on the sleep that I had been missing, take some time to de-stress, do some self-care, try a new thing like shopping and meal prepping or planting some tomato seeds. You know what I mean? I did various things that, you know, I didn't usually have time for things that were mindless and or productive and made me feel a a little bit better. After that, I came back home. And since coming back home, I think I've been more productive in that I've been working on a small business. I've been looking for part-time work. I do have part-time work with the with a community center from the campus, so I do remote work that way. In addition to taking responsibility for my household, just because, as I mentioned, I had familial things come up. So I don't think there was any wrong way for me to use my time, like as I stand now, definitely at the beginning of those couple weeks where I had just made the decision. I was like, I'm not being productive. I'm not doing anything. All I do is watch TV. But you know what? You need that time to to decompress. You know, you need that time to breathe, to take it in one day at a time, or at least I did. Definitely. Yeah. And like that also coincides a little bit with what Elijah had said as well. Like, you know, he mentioned that the first few weeks he like committed to his break that he just slept a lot. Like you just need to like recover to like you know get settled in like what is going to be like the next like stage of your life so that's definitely like really important part of like you don't even if you are taking time off like you don't need to have like a solid game plan per se like you just need to like recuperate first and then you can like get into things so just give yourself time to like relax and that looks different for everyone right and I, yeah, I totally agree with what you said, but I also want to add, like, for me, the first couple of weeks that I was, you know, I guess taking a break, I wasn't intentional about it. It was just kind of happening, and I was feeling so guilty, and my coping mechanism when I'm not being at my best is to avoid things and continue to take my mind off things and continue to distract myself but with, with um, social media and with feeling guilty about the time that I was taking for myself, and the only way to, to deal with that guilt was to distract myself by doing mindless things or sleeping more or like consuming my time with like social media and television and other forms of media you know what I mean so I think at some point I realized you know I can't like being stressed and being guilty about this time that I'm taking my for myself isn't actually taking time for myself so then I decided from this x date to this y date I'm gonna take time for myself and that's what I intend to do and then after I did that I was able to you know take that time genuinely and then from there make plans make moves onto what I'm gonna do next and how I'm gonna plan for the next year or the next six months or what I have to do. That makes sense so it was definitely like a process like you didn't necessarily like know what the plan was right away but you figured it out so that kind of leads me into my next question which is how do you feel about returning to school at some point and you know do you have any concerns or what are you looking forward to? So one thing that I would like to say 
add to the previous question is what to do during leave of absence time is one as a first gen low income student I think pick something to take up your time and pays you so whether that means selling things on the side or if that means getting a full time or getting a part time or doing small gigs so part of your time should definitely be secure some money for you know majority of the of the months you have away obviously it doesn't have to be all of the months and the second thing that I would say pick a skill just pick one thing that you want to do one thing that you want to improve or learn so for me it was coding programming things python that's, that's what it was first time that I took a leave of absence. And this time around, I've chosen to do a small business. So I think it's important to have that one thing, that one goal that you want to spend most of your time on, but also let it be the one thing that is going to, you're going to see results at the end of your leave of absence, whether it's a semester or a year. To answer your other question about, to answer your other question regarding how do I feel about coming back? Well, I'm not meant to come back until August of 2021. And seeing as it's my last, it should in all truth and hopefully be my last year. (laughs) I have to say it's scary and it's weird and I don't even know what the world will look like then because who knows if we'll even be stable enough to be on campus. So if it's still a situation where we're online, I'm not sure whether I will come back or I won't come back because obviously I do want to finish sooner rather than later. But at the same time, I I see little benefit to doing online school and finishing sooner in an economic climate that may not be conducive to finding a a good paying job easily. I really appreciate that you took the time to add in like some tips about like how people should spend their time off and then also really hitting on some real personal things that are that affect you but also I think can affect a lot of people in their consideration about like taking time off or when to return if they return next year. Building off of your advice to people like that take time off. By the time people are going to listen to this it's going to be like the middle of the winter break like you know students may have committed to doing that first semester completely online and now are like evaluating whether or not they want to come back in the spring. Do you have any advice on students that are considering taking time off like if they should or they shouldn't? And can you build on like more on like how how should they spend their time off what if they commit to it? Right. Well, in that case, I would say one, it's irrelevant whether you take it at the end of the fall semester or if you take it at the end of the spring semester, as long as you're taking it when you need it to. I personally have done both. And because of that, I have to say that taking it at the end of the fall, it's a little funny because when you come back, you're a semester off. But if you end up taking another semester or you graduate a semester early, then assuming, you know, you're on an eight semester track, then it doesn't it doesn't really matter because at least for my university you walk on stage once it like the university offers once a year like a ceremony but they have graduates graduates all year long so you just come back to walk across the stage at the following the 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 closest ceremony to your graduation date so um i would say the only thing that matters as far as timing goes is are you taking it when you need it and if i if you have to choose between sooner or later i vote sooner because sooner might be scarier but it's more beneficial because it'll allow you to do the emotional work or the physical work to get your yourself in a place into a, a state of mind or a physical space where you're able to successfully complete a semester or or 
or the rest of your semesters. So if you need to take a leave of absence because your family needs you or because you have health issues or because you want to travel a country and canvas for your local politician or if you want to go abroad and because there's a program you apply to and it's only this year or something, I would say like all of those reasons are very different. And I think it's easier in the long run to take the leave of absence sooner because then you'll you'll come out. I think if you're in a situation where you need the leave of absence because of mental or health reasons or familial reasons for, at that, I just it allows you to recover sooner, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And I also feel like, you know, the more time you spend on yourself, like the better it is for when you do re-engage with school. Like, you know, this is not like a, I'm not going to say this is like a hard um, stance that I have, but where most students make the decision to go to college when like their prefrontal cortex is like hardly developed, right? Like we're deciding to where we want to go to school, what we want to do when we're like 18. Like only more time will like let us have like more sound decisions. So I definitely agree. Like the more time you get, the better. And that's just like kind of like a random point like that I think is kind of related to your point about like sooner the better. So like, for example, I didn't think leave of absences. Well, one, I went the first time around, I didn't know they were a thing. And I didn't think that people took them. And I didn't think that people who took them came back. And I didn't think that people who took them were succeeding. (laughs) So I was like, definitely not for me. But if the alternative of not taking a leave of absence is to put yourself when you're at 50% or 20% through rigorous schoolwork and social situations and where you're expected to have high yield production, why do that to yourself? You're just, your grades are going to suffer and you're emotionally going to suffer. So it's better to take the time that you need sooner so that you can recover sooner and then come back and then be able to successfully finish when you're at 80% or 100%. You know what I mean? And that also goes for those who are leaving for more positive reasons, because obviously you want to go do the thing that you want to go do. And school will always wait for you. People will take leave of absences for 10 years and then come back. Obviously, I don't recommend because you should finish. <laughs> but it's it's possible. It's been done. So as long as you come back, it's okay. Yeah. And even if you don't come back, like that's like a that's a whole different conversation. Right. No, those are definitely other options that are completely valid and if they're right for you, they're right for you. But personally for me, I've spent 3 years trying to finish and taken multiple leaves in that time. And so I think I've just invested way too much to walk away, but that's just my pride. You know what I mean? Obviously, if I decided to walk away from this, that's perfectly valid and I can still be successful and happy. Because as long as you're happy, I think you w- things will be okay. In my personal opinion, because I come from a low-income background, as long as you're happy and stable financially, then you'll be okay. But that's that's just my caveat. No, I think that's a, that's a good caveat, and I would agree. So I think we're getting close towards the end. Thank you again for like all of your answers, and I'm, I think this has been a really insightful conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share? I think I could say a little bit more about what it's like to continue your education after the leave of absence. So I definitely think it becomes you become a little bit more aware of being a little bit older than others in my experience i became a little bit more jaded than others but i think that comes with age and not so much with leave of absences so i definitely think i don't know about you but once i hit 22 i felt like a different person i felt like i understood more things as opposed to when i was 17 so i think 
I don't I think that you become a little bit more aware your goals become clearer once you return from leave of absence because now you know or at least you have had a little bit more time to think about what kind of academic path you want to take or what you want to do after college or what kind of experiences you want to apply to and I think it becomes a little bit more clear not that it's a hundred percent clear just that it's a little bit more clear than when I than how the situation was prior to my leave of absence that that makes a lot of sense yeah I think being out of college like working is super different like when you're inside of school versus when you're outside of school regardless of like if you're taking a break or if you're like done like there is just like this different world that you have to live in and it forces you to think differently about like reality like you know i feel like school can definitely be like a bubble um and it kind of pops or falls away when you're not in it anymore even for a short period of time no i definitely agree i think prior to college the world is a certain way and then once you go to college the world is a different way and then you're confused because it's absolutely nothing like the way it was before and then you realize let me take some time away you see that the world is actually not like college and then you're able to come back with fresh eyes and then once you leave you realize again oh the rest of the world is not like college again so I think, <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's it's a confusing space that is very niche that you have to like figure out how to navigate. And a lot of the times, first-gen students aren't taught to navigate those worlds prior to college. You got to figure it out on your own, you know? Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brandy. I really appreciated talking to you today. Okay, awesome. Thanks. I'm looking forward to continuing to hear more about your journey. Thanks, Dan. Hi, Austin. It's so great to have you on our podcast. You know, could you just briefly introduce yourself for our audience? Uh, my name is Austin Wynn, and I'm a Quest scholar. I'm first gen, and I graduated from Williams in 2015. At Williams, I studied economics and biology, and I minored in public health. And I did a lot of work in terms of working, building out the Quest Scholars Network there, doing first-gen orientation, as well as being like an orientation leader for like outdoor ed work. And uh, since graduating, I am now working at TripAdvisor as a data scientist. And uh, this past year, I applied to graduate school and was going to start grad school in data science, but have decided to defer um, until next year. So that's a little bit of an intro to my background. Well, so great to have you on our podcast, Austin. And wow, congrats on, you know, all the things like being a Quest Scholar, going to college, graduating, you know, working for a few years. Um, That's super really exciting to hear. You mentioned that you applied to grad school and congrats on getting in as well. Um, But you decided to like defer. Is it because of the pandemic? Like, do you want to share a little bit more about your decision to to defer enrollment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, grad school is something that I've been working towards for a long time. Um, Since graduating from Williams, I've like allocated um, some savings towards like grad school. So it's been a dream that I've been working towards for the past like four to five years now. And so I, this past year, I applied to uh, for a master's in data science and was fortunate enough to get in to Harvard's like master's of data science program. And I think in March, when I found out like my results, I was like so excited and so jazzed. But then that was in tandem with a pandemic, <laughs> which was, uh, I think, made the decision making process like really hard. And so I accepted my spot um, But ultimately, because of the pandemic, I've decided to defer, mainly because this fall and through the school year, um, Harvard will be fully remote. 
And after like dreaming about this opportunity for the past like four years, I really want my best shot at an in-person experience and being able to like meet other students and be able to like learn directly and with professors and be able to collaborate more easily and effectively in person. And so I figured like deferring for a year would give me the best shot. And more than that, um, as a first gen student, I felt like it was really important for me to be closer to family during this like gap year before starting grad school. Both my parents are nail salon workers in Las Vegas. And um, during like the pandemic in March through May, my parents like nail salon was like shut down and they could not work. And that was around the time that I also had to like decide whether I was going to defer to grad school. And I think at that time, it was very clear to me that like my parents like really needed me to support them in this like next year of uncertainty. And so during those two months, my parents couldn't work. Um, I helped them apply for like a small business loan. I helped negotiate down rent <laughs> so they wouldn't be financially burdened as much during this pandemic. I like helped them apply for pandemic unemployment assistance. And I think that process has made me realize that like as a first gen graduate, I feel like though I have graduated college and I'm now like, I have a degree that doesn't change my identity. Like my parents still very much need me. And I think that maybe like other first gen folks, I feel this way too. Like you can't like, and so I feel like I am blessed with this like really great privilege and honor to be able to like support my family. And I felt like of all times, this pandemic has shown me it's so important to be close to family during this time. So in addition to deferring grad school, I've also moved out to the West Coast and am now in the same time zone as my family, and uh, which was not the case before. Williams is like 3,000 miles away from Las Vegas. And so this is actually the first time in like maybe like nine years, eight years since starting college in 2011 that I've been in the same time zone as my family for an extended period of time. So yeah, so my decision to defer grad school was both related to wanting to give myself a, my best shot at an in-person experience, but also to really be near and dear to my family in this next year of uncertainty without knowing like um, how this pandemic will shake out. And so, yeah, I've been able to really be there for my family in ways that I haven't before. I, in fact, I even like took like a Vietnamese like language program this past summer to improve my spoken Vietnamese. And um, that has helped incredibly with helping understand my parents better as people, but also supporting them through their needs of like what they need to live, of like what they need. Um, to serve, like uh, to sustain their business of what they need in terms of social services, and more recently, getting them to vote. <laughs> so yeah, I've registered both my mom and my aunt who historically have never voted, and uh, they'll be participating in this historic election. And so I think this year has been really tough on me, my family, and you know everyone in the nation and the world. But it's also brought me closer to my family and made me realize like what's most important as well, and helped me like understand my priorities better. Yeah, so. This pandemic has been hard, but I think from like those hardships come these like like moments of reprioritization and blessings. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's really amazing and very honorable. Throughout college and even in high school, it's like so tough to like navigate our relationships with our family. Like we have our goals, but we also like have commitments as like sons and daughters to our parents and they're only getting older. But uh, I think it's really amazing that you were able to, like, you know, support your family and, you know, make a difference and help them. That was, like, a really wise choice to just, like, you know, take the time to do what you need to do to listen to yourself. And also, like, you know, you it seems like you know, like, what kind of environment you learn best in to, like, want to, like, 
going to school in person rather than like over Zoom. You know, you've talked about how, you know, you've been spending your time during your gap year with your family. Can you go into a little more depth about how you're spending your time during your gap year? Um, Yeah. So in this gap year, before like starting grad school, I plan to work for the next year and like save up as much money as possible for grad school, but also to, to support my family. And so yeah, that's my main plan to basically spend the year working, um, continue like the work I'm currently doing at Revisor, and, and basically also like looking at scholarships to help fund <laughs> grad school in the next year, which is great because like, ne- like, no one told me this, but like, it's actually very helpful to have like, like a grad school, like spot already in hand as you apply for scholarships, like, I think last year when I was applying to scholarships, at the point I didn't know whether I would have gotten into grad school. And so when you apply to like funding sources independent in tandem or in parallel to the application process, it can be sort of a crapshoot. But I think it's helpful for scholarship applications when you already have like a spot secured. And so I'm hoping to like lean into that in the next year. Yeah, but otherwise beyond just like working, looking for scholarship opportunities and being close to my family. Yeah, I'm just really hoping to sort of like basically continuing to like engage in like local community work that I did in Boston and I'm hoping to get involved in in the Bay Area. That's solid. Yeah. And yeah, saving money is like super important. Kind of a related question that I'm just thinking of now is like, how do you feel about eventually going back to school after being out for a little while? Like, I know you mentioned you took a, a Vietnamese course to like improve your like language skills, but like, what, like, how are you feeling about like jumping back into the classroom at some point? Um, yeah, I'm like pretty jazzed <laughs> to jump back into the classroom, honestly. I think, yeah, I miss school. I miss studying. I miss being around like peers who are also studying. And so, yeah, like I have no reservations about it. I'm mostly excited about the prospect of it. And yeah, I'm just curious about the classroom dynamic. I think that like I will be coming to the classroom with like five years, maybe six years by that point of like work experience. And I think several folks will just be like, will be in the classroom with uh, maybe like a year or like maybe no work experience. I'm hoping to like pivot into the field that I'm already in. And so I think I'll be bringing like a different perspective to the classroom, which excites me. And be able to like, I think, bring the things I've learned while working to the classroom. And so I think I think it'll be a really good, a good time. You might be surprised about the spread. Like I've met some people who, like most grad students I know are like a couple of years out. Like I feel like it's much less common to be like, a, to just be fresh out of college, but it is still a thing that happens. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on the program. Yeah. So that's exciting. No, I'm super glad. Um, I'm also like looking forward to going back to grad school at some point in the future. Nervous, but excited. <laughs> so I know you mentioned like family was part of the reason why you decided to take a gap year rather than going straight through amongst other things. But how are your friends, family and or mentors involved in your decision like did you consult them or did you just like make this decision alone um yeah i think uh this decision is the product of like many conversations had with like many friends uh many mentors and family yeah i feel like it was like a big decision and so it was important for me to like get some feedback and get like a sec like a second set of eyes on it (laughs) um and so i talked to like my like my mentors talk to uh, my friends I talked to my partner and I talked to my family around like like the trade-off between like starting school immediately versus deferring for a year and ultimately I think like they were super helpful in helping me making this decision and I think one thing to call out is that like my family like me, none of them have gone to college none of them have gone to grad school 
And so they, their advice didn't really come from a place of like, I had this experience and two, and this is what I can tell you. It's more of a like, huh, like it sounds like um, you really want to do this at some point. It would make me proud for you to go to grad school. And it sounds like right now it's a tough time. So I support you in sort of deferring for a year and uh, being closer to home. Like that's important to me. So it's less of it comes less from an experience, like having shared experience and more about like being able to trust my decision making and knowing that like this decision I'm making comes out of place of like love for them at the end of the day, even if like they them they themselves have never been through this process uh, themselves. Yeah, I think that is interesting to navigate, like, you know, what kind of knowledge do your parents bring to the decision making process? Like, you know, like when I think about my parents, I think about like, you know, they know you almost as much as you know yourself and they can understand like when you're upset or when you're happy or, you know, so like having that emotional support is really important. Yeah. And I think sometimes like our mentors who are also professionals or have gone to grad school are much more like apathetic sometimes. It depends on the situation or who you're talking to. So I also hear you and appreciate that about like family. You know, I think moving on towards like like lessons learned or like advice you would give someone else, like what advice would you give to current college students thinking about going to grad school? And then like a follow-up question is like if they're considering like taking a year, like if they've already gotten in and are deferring their admission, like uh, what advice do you have about that? But also more generally, like what do you what advice do you have about applying to grad school? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'll tackle like the first question. So like for students that are currently in college and are considering grad school, my biggest advice is to talk to your financial aid office and like ask about like fee waivers for um, the GRE and uh, maybe like other programs or see if there's like opportunities to do a master's degree at your university, like at a reduced rate. So I think Stanford has like a co-op being program where you can stay like a fifth year and finish a master's. Like that's an, that's an example of an opportunity to do like grad school, like, like a master's um, right after under undergrad that might be like at a reduced rate (laughs) and wouldn't require you to like apply like outside of the university I guess so my main advice is to look for resources currently available at your disposal at your current university whether that's like continuing on in a fifth year to do grad school or um, looking into the financial aid offices or the fellowships office to look for funding because grad school is expensive it is like a big investment and to the extent that you can sort of like find resources at your current university to help you through that process is great so I actually got like a fee waiver for the GRE when I apply like um, in my last year at Williams and I was like super grateful for it <laughs> and so yeah that's an example of um, the ways in which like asking for resources and seeking out resources early on is like very helpful and I think Advice for grad school also includes like asking around and doing like coffee chats with like maybe alums um, from your university who are in the field that you want to go in and ask them like, do you think grad school is necessary to break into this field? If so, what type of program? And if so, what programs are good? I think nothing can substitute for like a candid advice from someone who's already in the field that you want to be in. I think that you can do like a lot of research online and find out like what are the best like grad schools for like different fields, like where are the sources funding. But I think it's helpful to get like an honest and frank and candid take from someone who's currently in the field. And so to the extent that you can like flex your alumni network and talk to folks who are in the field that you want to be in and ask about grad school. Is it necessary? If so, what grad school, what programs, how long, how much money um, does it cost? Like, how did you fund it? Like those sort of questions. And I think for like advice for those who 
are also deferring grad school for a year, like myself, I think my advice to other folks is use this like next year to really like ask yourself, like, is the program is the grad school program that you are committed to in the following year, like the right program for you? And um, if so, like, what can you do now to prepare yourself for like that point, whether that means like, financially preparing yourself, like looking for scholarships, or like network wise, like what sort of like, Um, research opportunities in grad school do you want to pursue once you go so you can like hit the ground running once you arrive and so an example of that is i'm interested in education inequality and access and so there's a professor at harvard harvard's kennedy school who does like education like access work um, and does uses data science to like do that and so um, i reached out to this person uh, to ask about research opportunities not necessarily for me this fall but just like in the for the future so i think planting the seeds in a like leading up to your eventual enrollment i think can't hurt and i think yeah it might even give you some opportunity to do like some research even like, leading up to grad school too so though, like that's like the advice I have for students like currently in school, students um, considering going to grad school, and also students who are also in the same position as I am, um, deferring school for a year. Thank you so much. That was like really helpful advice. I'm really looking forward to having our students and our audience in general like, hear what you have to say. Um, it seems like you've learned so much from your own experience and like your conversations with others. Definitely agree with like connecting to your alumni network. I'm not sure what your experience was, but like in my experience, like usually alumni are like super excited to talk to you. And like the worst thing they can do is say no, but usually people are more than enthused to like have a conversation with a current student or alum. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like alums are so eager and so excited to talk to current students or even other alums. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else that you want to share that wasn't captured from my line of questions? Um, Yeah, I think one thing I should mention is that you should not feel rushed to go to grad school. Like I took four and a half, five years off before applying and considering going to grad school. And so I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of like peers who um, started grad school, like maybe a year or two out of undergrad. And I think that's great if you already know where you want to go and why you want to go to grad school. But um, I would encourage folks to take a pause and sort of like, spend time to think about like why grad school does this decision make make sense for you because it is a big decision <laughs> so yeah basically don't feel rushed for example in my last year at williams i actually applied to grad school um i applied for a master's in public health and i got in <laughs> and was so excited but then uh, realized that like grad school financial aid is nowhere near <laughs> as good as undergrad financial aid at least at williams and so it was a pretty clear decision for me to like not go to grad school because I literally could not afford to at the time. But I felt like this pressure to apply to have like certainty in my last year at Williams and and realize like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't rush decision. Maybe I should work for a few years and figure out like, do I actually want to go to school for this particular field in this particular field? Um, and I'm really grateful I waited uh, because I wouldn't have like ended up um, in data science where I, I currently am in. So yeah, that's like advice I have for folks thanks i think that's like a really good point too like yeah definitely don't rush like grad school isn't going anywhere and it's really important for you to like discover yourself and like what your career interests are because sometimes you don't get to do that during undergrad it could be a hit or miss on like how how much you get to learn about how you work and how you like to work and like what do you want to continue to learn yeah so i think it's really great that you like had the time to discover like no like this is what i want to do i want to like do data science and you know we'll see where you go from there like after you finish your master's 
Um, congrats again on getting in. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. Thanks again to our speakers, and thank you for tuning in today on How to College for First Gens. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at How to College First Gen on Instagram and Facebook, and at HTC First Gen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Until then, next time.